All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right. Even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecarawana.com slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, happy Monday. And just a heads up, because I know some of you guys like to binge episode series. So this episode is going to be part one of a two-part series because I just could not possibly cram all of the information that I wanted to on this topic into just one episode. Trust me, I tried. And every single time I dive into one of these really big, important topics, I always forget something. So I wanted to give myself a little space to, again, break this episode into two parts so that if I did forget anything when I listen back, I can put it into part two. So today we're talking about something that may be a little uncomfortable, truthfully, but the reality is, is that it can be necessary for many indoor playground owners. Today, I'm going to cover some strategies that can be used to generate significant cash some quickly, some over the course of a couple months. So in episode 209 of this podcast, we talked about five sneaky places where money might be readily available, but hiding in your business. But today I want to think bigger. So not like hundreds of dollars. If you just you know want to pay yourself a little bit extra this week, I'm talking about thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. And businesses that need to generate that amount of cash. Because one thing about this business and this industry is that it seems so easy and simple from the outside. You know, if you create an amazing space and pour your heart and soul into it, local parents will just line up in droves and book out your party calendar, right? Well, (laughs) that's often what most people assume from the outside looking in. Social media has contributed to this rainbows and butterflies assumption that so many people seem to have, which I talk a lot more about in a really raw and honest YouTube video that I did recently, which I'm going to link in the show notes. But in that video, I talked about how one of the biggest factors that really leads to burnout in play cafe owners is that literally every parent, or sometimes it feels like Every parent thinks that they have what it takes to run a successful indoor playground business, and they are not shy about telling that to us current owners. However, the reality is often a much different picture. I get indoor playground owners messaging me all the time, like literally every day, who aren't paying themselves, who are barely making rent, 
who don't know what their next move will be because this industry is so much more tough and so much more nuanced and unique than anyone from the outside looking in can possibly realize. And I had the same false confidence going into this business. Believe me, this is something I joke about all the time. I was so smug and so confident going into Play Cafe ownership. I mean, not only did I have a master's degree in economics, but my husband and I had owned businesses in the past and we were true entrepreneurs at heart. And we also had experience in brick and mortar ownership. So I had no doubt that we would be an instant success if we put our skill sets together and paired it with our hard work ethic and passion for helping parents of young kids who were just like us at the time. But let me tell you, Those first few months and really the first year were just an absolute shock. I quickly realized that there is a lot more that goes into a profitable business of this nature and that the owners who I had been following were doing way more behind the scenes than I could have possibly imagined as an onlooker. So if you're in a season where you're struggling right now, I first want to say that you're not alone. I would never disclose who reaches out to me on here, you know, on this podcast or to anyone for that matter, but trust me, some of those seemingly hyper-successful businesses you follow may not be painting the full accurate picture on social media. Sure, there are tons of examples of successful play-based businesses, and I work with them every single day inside of Playmaker Society, but if that's not the case right now in this season for you, it's okay. Okay. So many things can happen in this business that are outside of our control. So for example, a competitor could open up down the street or your build out could be delayed by months, or you could experience inclement weather and have to repair damaged buildings or structures, or you could have personal issues pop up that take your time, focus, and attention away from your business, leaving profits to suffer in the meantime. So again, if any of that sounds a little too familiar, again, it's okay. And again, you're far from alone. And also, I'm here for you. So my inbox on Instagram is always open. I link my profile in the show notes of every episode. So again, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I always keep that kind of thing confidential. And again, my heart is really in helping owners of play-based businesses. This is what I've dedicated my now entire career and business too. So again, feel free to message me on Instagram if you want to talk about any of these options that we're going to talk about today or really anything else. So here on this podcast and on my YouTube channel, I give tons of strategies for business success, but many of them are what I would consider to be marathon methods, not sprints. So things like blogging, improving search engine optimization, increasing website conversion rates, formulating a winning Facebook and Instagram and Google ad strategy, hiring and retaining a stellar team, standardizing and streamlining your operating procedures. All of these and more that we discuss here are meant to be long-term strategies. They are not going to get you results overnight, and they are not cash injection strategies. And while all of those that I just mentioned are extremely important, and I want to be clear here that I am in no way diminishing the importance of, again, anything I just mentioned, because 
In a perfect world, we'd all set our businesses up for maximum success from day one and do all of the things every day in our business, but we don't live in a perfect world. And you try telling a frustrated and burnt out business owner who just dipped into their kid's college fund to make payroll that blogging can get them more bookings in six months time. Trust me, it's not going to go over well. And yes, that is a hard lesson that I've had to learn from experience. So while all of these long-term strategies are super important, sometimes things happen. We desperately might need to increase our working capital to get through a slow season or to make a repair or pay a bill that we didn't expect. Or maybe we signed a lease that ended up being way too expensive or we blew our build-out budget and we just aren't cutting it week to week. Again, if you are in the position of needing to generate significant cash to keep your business afloat, I'm not judging you because I've been you. And some people might say, well, Michelle, why would we keep sinking money into a business that isn't profitable? Isn't that just throwing good money after bad, so to speak? I'm sure you've heard that analogy or that saying before. A lot of people might be thinking, you know, wouldn't it just be easier and more practical to shut our doors and move on? And sure, sometimes, yes, that is the most realistic option. The business is just not going to work the way it's set up. However, the more I look into businesses in our industry that are struggling, the more I realize that that's the exception. More often than not, money troubles are due to some short-term issue, like, again, a building repair or a large unexpected bill. And let me tell you, when you are in the red in your business and come up with these you know, unexpected expenses, it is so damn hard to be creative. It's so tough to innovate, to employ those long-term success strategies, when your back is against the wall and again, you're faced with having to dip into your personal savings or take out extra credit cards just to stay afloat. So my goal here with this series of episodes is to help you solve that short-term issue so you can get back to a place of being able to breathe, of being able to work on your business and not just in it, scraping by day to day. And again, go back to being more consistent with those long-term marketing and operation strategies that I alluded to earlier, like SEO and ads and blogging and all that good stuff so that you will be profitable long-term and so that this isn't just a temporary band-aid that is going to fall off in a couple months. So now, just to warn you, I'm going to start out with the more drastic measures first, then work my way to the more quick and easy stuff. So if you're just needing, you know, a couple thousand dollars to, again, cover that bill you got and didn't plan for, stay tuned for the part two strategies. In this part one of this episode series, I want to talk to those owners who are really finding themselves in a pickle, who are considering closing up shop and letting go of their dream and really losing everything they've already put into their space and their business. And by the way, one thing I'm not going to cover in these episodes is selling your business outright, because we already talked about that in episode 68 of this podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel. But selling, you know, 100% of your business is an option if you are really wanting to just move on to the next chapter in your life. 
You can even sell your business and stay on as a consultant or a manager if you want to stay involved but not bear the risk of the business anymore. So again, that is an option, but not one that we're going to dive into here. All right, without further ado, let's get into some of the more drastic and involved ways to generate significant revenue like well over $10,000 in your business fairly quickly, so within a couple months. The first option is to take on a business partner. Now, if you are a loyal listener, this might be a bit shocking to you that I'm starting off with this one because I almost never recommend launching this type of business with a partner that isn't your spouse or immediate family member. It often has way more downside than upside potential and can overly complicate even the smallest matters in your day-to-day business. But hey, desperate times can call for desperate measures. And if taking on a partner is what keeps your business alive, and if this option can see it through this tough time, then it is an option I'd consider. By finding a partner who shares a similar vision and brings complementary skills or resources to the table, you can access additional financial investment and expertise to fuel your growth and, again, generate working capital. Now, I highly recommend hiring a business broker who can put a fair valuation on your business, but let's just say hypothetically that your business is currently valued at $500,000 based on its assets and its revenue, all that. That means, and yes, this is going to sound like an episode of Shark Tank for a minute, but That means that you could potentially sell someone a 40% stake in your business for around $200,000. Now, these numbers will depend on a multitude of factors, which is why it's worth it to work with an expert. But this can be a really attractive path that could result in a win-win scenario. So for example, if someone in your area is currently in the daydreaming or planning phase of opening a new business that is going to directly compete against yours, you might want to reach out and propose joining forces. This way, the potential customer will be able to walk into an established business and save a ton of money and time in the startup phase and also bear less risk as well. Yes, as let's say a 40% owner, they're not going to have as large of an upside potential when it comes to take-home pay or income, but for many potential owners, the protection against risk is worth foregoing that upside potential, especially if they're parents of young kiddos that have a lot of responsibility financially. And again, if this is someone who can help you expand or refresh your business or launch new revenue streams in addition to getting out of whatever tricky financial situation you might be in, and if this person has some skill set that you don't possess that could really benefit the business, again, it could be a win-win for everyone involved. So if you're needing to generate that large of a cash amount, this is something to think about. You can start quietly reaching out to some trusted friends or loyal customers And you can start planting seeds around town that you're looking for a partner or investors. Just be extremely careful about evaluating candidates and be as explicit as you can about where their money is going to go. You know, don't hide anything. And also be clear about what each of your responsibilities should be moving into the future as partners. And again, hire a broker and a lawyer combination 
to help you put together a mutually beneficial agreement that you're happy with and is fair for both parties. All right, option number two, convert to a nonprofit. This is an option I've grown very fond of the more I learn about the nonprofit world, especially from the experts that I've been working with to complete some Playmaker Society exclusive trainings. But converting a for-profit indoor playground into a nonprofit organization requires careful planning, strategic decision-making, and a commitment to serving the community. The transition involves changing the fundamental structure and purpose of the business, shifting the focus from just generating profits to fulfilling a social mission. And this process typically involves restructuring the organization, obtaining a nonprofit status, and establishing a board of directors to govern the nonprofit's activities. And these are typically non-paid positions. So board members might be people from your community that are passionate about your social mission. By converting to a nonprofit, though, the indoor playground can access various funding opportunities that aren't available to for-profit businesses, including grants, donations, local business sponsorships, and more to support its operations and initiatives. And yes, you can use this influx of grant and government and small business money to pay yourself. As long as your salary as an owner or founder is reasonable given your responsibilities and role in the business that you play and is approved by your board, you can oftentimes much more easily pay yourself a substantial salary as a nonprofit founder because you're not just relying on your business revenue to pay yourself. Again, you can use state and federal and other types of funding opportunities to pay yourself in addition to whatever you're making from your normal business operation. So open play, birthday parties, classes, things like that. The two worries or objections that I hear most often from people considering this but are on the fence are number one, they won't be able to make an income with a nonprofit, which as I just explained is completely untrue. And again, oftentimes you can pay yourself much more and on a much more consistent basis as the founder of a nonprofit because you have more money coming into the business from more sources. And then number two, they're concerned that they won't have ownership over the business assets. So in episode 68, we talk a little bit more about this. So if you want to go back and talk about selling your business and things like that, again, go back and listen to episode 68. But I really want to kind of dispel this concern as well, because if you're able to pay yourself you know, a substantial salary right now, that might actually be worth more in the long term than actually selling your business or liquidating it if you decide to move on or if you decide to sell to another owner. Again, most indoor playground businesses actually either don't sell or they sell for a loss. And that's for many different reasons. Again, I go through all of the different reasons and the most significant ones in episode 68. But I just want you to kind of think of the long-term benefits versus the short-term benefits and which matters more to you. You know, if you work for the next five years without really taking a salary or anything like that, is it really worth it to you to work all of those years without a salary just so you can own that $10,000 play structure or the rights to your branding or anything like that if your business ends up having to close and liquidate? Again, this is going to be very different depending on how your business is set up and 
how turnkey your business is when you do go to sell. But just know that oftentimes paying yourself a salary can be worth much more in terms of actual income you're making from your business, even in the long term. So keep that in mind. So if you're a Play Cafe Academy or Playmaker Society member, you already have the tools and resources to get started on this transition process. And if you're not a member, you can join at the link in the show notes. We would love to have you. And I'd love to help you make this transition as easy and seamless as possible if this is the path you choose to go down. This transformation from for-profit to nonprofit can allow your business to enhance its community impact, which I know so many owners place a great importance on. And it can also help you expand access to services for your community members and prioritize the well-being and development of children while still maintaining a sustainable business model. And again, being able to earn a living from your business and not allowing it to become an expensive hobby. All right, option number three, seeking additional financing. And this is probably the most common route business owners take when they need a large amount of cash really quickly. Again, more than like $10,000. They might refinance their home or take out a second mortgage, or they might refinance their mortgage if they purchase their indoor playground building, or they might apply for a new business loan from a bank or a credit union, or apply for some other sort of financing. While this is the easiest and quickest option we've gone over thus far, it also comes with the greatest risk. If you can't afford the payments and you don't end up turning your business profitability around with your cash injection, not only are you now on the hook for the remainder of your lease and any initial loans or investments you took on, you're responsible for this new loan as well. So if you feel very confident that your money woes are short-term and easy to resolve and are not the result of a more systemic problem in your business model or vision, this is definitely a route to consider. And this is actually what I did after my first year in business and after I had some big expenses pop up that I didn't plan for. And it all worked out extremely well in the end because I was in fact able to make the payments and use that cash to propel my business forward and become very profitable month after month after that short-term cash flow issue was handled. All right, number four, launch a crowdfunding campaign. Now I did a full podcast episode on how currently open businesses can still utilize crowdfunding to refresh or expand their space in episode 157 of this podcast. So I'm not gonna go through all of it again here. My best recommendations are in that episode, but one thing that is worth repeating is this. You must structure your campaign in a way that is actually going to incentivize people to participate and donate. Give away your products or services that are very valuable to your customers, but are high profit margin for you, meaning they don't cost you a lot of money to actually execute. Packs of play passes or memberships are an amazing example. Or you can ask for sponsorships for certain parts of your play area, which hold a ton of sentimental significance and value, again, which I talk more about in episode 157. Every single year, we had a local family sponsor one of our playhouses, and we would put up a sign for that year naming the playhouse after their child or whatever name they chose. And again, this was something that literally cost us a couple dollars to execute 
but it was something that was so valuable in terms of sentimental value to that family. So you can command hundreds and hundreds of dollars for sponsorships like that. So I recently saw a PlaySpace launch a crowdfunding campaign and they were actually selling raffle tickets. I think it was for like $25 or something for a chance to win a party and only one was being given away. And I don't know about you, but I don't have $100 or even $25 just laying around to buy a raffle ticket for a small chance at winning a party for my child. However, I am happy to contribute to a small local business in exchange for something that I will use and may even have bought anyways. So structuring your campaign and being realistic with what you're expecting from your community versus what you're giving back is so important. And you might be thinking, well, if I'm giving away, you know, my services in or in uh, exchange for the contribution, why don't I just run a sale on play passes then? Well, oftentimes people will be more motivated to contribute to something specific like a campaign for an expansion or a new piece of equipment if something went wrong with your current stuff or if you want to refresh or if you had a burst pipe or your roof collapsed or something like that and you need to get back in business. Plus, you can potentially get sponsorships from other local businesses or family or friends or people from your extended network who would not typically participate in a general sale, but would participate in a crowdfunding campaign. And you don't have to ask for donations either. You can do a crowdsourced loan with a company like Kiva, and that's K-I-V-A. So with Kiva and other similar companies, community members and customers can contribute one lump sum, so say like $200, And then they are paid back monthly by you, the business owner. And what's great about it is you pay Kiva one lump sum every month, and then they take care of dispersing all of the micropayments to everybody that contributed. So it's actually really easy on your end as a business owner to execute something like this. And this can be a way to generate even more money than a traditional crowdfunding campaign without giving away your services. And without taking on as much risk as a traditional loan. So again, if this is something that interests you, go back and listen to episode 157. I'm going to link it in the show notes. All right, that's going to do it for part one of this episode series. And now we have the most drastic and work-intensive options out of the way for those owners who are really finding themselves at a crossroads in their business or just in a financial pickle. In part two on Wednesday, I'm going to go over some more simple options for business owners who do need cash quickly, but maybe not as much of it right this moment. So your play of the day is to do a little bit more research, listen to the other episodes that I linked in the show notes, and start considering these options with any business partners you might have or your spouse or anyone else who has a significant interest in your business. All right, have an amazing day. And again, I will see you right back here in your feeds on Wednesday.